1: into action. This month, December 2018, we're doing a Best Of series, the best shows we've done over the almost three years now, 270 plus episodes, and we are going back again to one of our earlier episodes with Sean Sears, the man who rescues cats and trees, um, really fascinating show. I had no idea who he was until I interviewed him and did a little bit of research and really phenomenal work that he is doing up in the Northwest, spending his time rescuing cats and trees, being an arborist and being passionate about rescuing those cats. Of course, with every rescue comes a tremendous story. So I found that to be a great show. Enjoy. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening. And if you feel like it, please go to iTunes or give us a review uh, wherever you are listening to the show. All the reviews help spread the word. My goals in 2019, and I hope you folks are all doing your goals for 2019, but one of mine is to really expand our listenership and our audience. We get about 500 to 1,000 listens per show, but that's not enough. There are so many more people that need to hear the show to know they're not alone out there. So please share the show with others and do a review if if you can, and make sure you subscribe to the show. Thank you again, everybody and enjoy Sean Sears.
0: Today, we are speaking with Sean Sears. Sean of Canopy Cat Rescue is a certified arborist, professional mountain guide, and has loved animals since as long as he can remember. He was 5 years old when he adopted his first kitty. Currently, he has two feral rescue cats, Meddy and Gary, that he has cared for since they were young. He also has two dogs that are his best friends. Sean loves climbing trees and helping reunite owners with their feline friends. Sean, I'd like to welcome you to the show.
2: Hi. Good morning.
0: <laughs> you are out um, on the west coast. Are you in Washington State? Is that where you're located?
2: Yep, we are in Washington State on the west coast. Correct.
0: So yes, good morning to you. And we're recording the show um, a bit earlier, but yes, it's morning time for you. And we were just talking in the the pre-show a little chat that you already had a couple of rescues lined up for the day today. Mm -hmm. I was just wondering, how did you get started with Canopy Cat Rescue?
2: With arborists, which both Tom and I are certified arborists. We have a very extensive history of climbing trees and me in particular climbing rocks and mountains. And we started a small business when we got together called Canopy Conservation, Basically, we didn't really do tree work, tree care per se, climbing, removing trees, cutting trees down, trimming them and all that. Uh, That's what your typical arborist does. And both Tom and I had done that in the past. But when we started our own business, we were like, well, let's just do fun stuff. And to begin with, we had small contracts with our local fish and wildlife, local uh, conservation groups, and we'd go out and make uh, habitat trees. And then we'd put cameras up in eagle nests, osprey nests, and heron nests for fish and wildlife and things like that. And so we did that for a while. And then as arborists, you called for things in trees, whether it's cats, (laughs) drones, remote control helicopters, kites, balloons, small children, you get called for everything in trees. The small children, of course, was a joke. But as professional tree climbers, you get called for things in trees. And that obviously includes cats. And so early on, we obviously had a love for cats, but we sort of realized that there was this major room for education with cats and trees. Because to begin with, we didn't really know. We were like, well, you know, why are we getting called for cats and trees? And so early on, we didn't really know much about the science behind cats and trees. So, you know, we didn't really have any guidelines or anything. We would just go when we got called. And then fast forward another Two years, we realized that not only was there a need for somebody to do this, but the need for somebody to be compassionate towards the various levels of income that families have out there. And so we decided to work off of donations because a lot of people would call and their first question would be, how much is this going to cost me? And a lot of folks, they weren't prepared to pay several hundred dollars, which is what your normal, typical arborist is going to charge. Your normal, typical arborist has a tree service, which is their main focus is to make a bunch of money in a day, and that's okay, but it it costs them money to take time out of their day to rescue a cat, which they may or may not be very good at or have experience with. So we decided to work off of donations. And then uh, we started to get a a lot of media coverage, a lot of local newspapers. And then a year and a half ago, we had our own TV show on Animal Planet called Treetop Cat Rescue. And that was internationally aired. We're still getting messages from various corners of the world saying, hey, we saw your TV show. That's great what you guys do. And lots of words of encouragement from people that are in areas of the world that we'll probably never see. And they're seeing (laughs) us do our thing. And that's really cool. So now, fast forward another year and a half. Now we're an official 501c3 nonprofit, which was a goal of ours for a while. And so now, obviously, when we get various donations from people around the country that love and support what we do, it's obviously a tax write-off, which has been sort of a goal of ours for a while. And now it's, uh, now it's pretty much a daily thing for us. This last year, we rescued 377 cats from trees. The year before that, we did 401 cats from trees. And uh, we're looking to get, a, get close to 400 again this year.
0: It's very impressive, and it sounds like you guys like climbing trees. And you also mentioned, too, that not only are you rescuing from trees, but you are rescuing cats from other places, too. So you're not just focused specifically on on trees, but sort of wherever they get themselves stuck in in crazy, crazy places. Uh, We had a situation recently in Boston where there was a cat stuck in a Route 1 overpass over mm-hmm. a suburb of Boston called Chelsea it had bolted out of the car accidentally on the on the bridge and it, it got into the the overpass there so i assume that would be kind of a scenario of something that you might might be willing to to get involved with
2: oh yeah absolutely we've done a few overpass rescues which is probably similar to what you're describing we do a lot of roof rescues and we get, I mean, we get called for every sort of cat emergency you can imagine. When you when you have a TV show and people see the TV show, they'll call you for just about everything cat related. We've gotten called for cats in vents, cats in walls, cats in bushes, cats with behavior problems, people that are looking to rehome their cat. It's It's insane. <laughs> but obviously, yeah, we just do things where we can obviously use our expertise at we don't have tall ladders so obviously if there's if there's a situation where somebody with a tall ladder might be better suited to help a cat out then we'll definitely refer it to somebody else that might be better suited for a rescue but yeah mainly focus on trees because obviously we're certified arborist and that basically means a tree professional and obviously there's no tree too big or too small that we can't climb and
0: How does one get trained? I mean, you were trained as an arborist. So I guess if you wanted to be trained as a cat tree rescuer, you Mm -hmm. would recommend that they go in that route to be trained as an arborist first and then move out into the rescue component? I mean, I'm sure there's some rescue parts that don't involve with the tree part.
2: It's a tough answer when people ask, how do I get into this? Because what we do is extremely dangerous. And even people that are pretty savvy tree climbers have difficulty rescuing cats sometimes. And so it's a very specialized thing that we do. And obviously climbing trees is, we say if folks want to get into rescuing cats, we say get employed by a local tree service and start from the ground up. They're going to start you dragging brush to a chipper to have it grinded up. But then you're going to see sort of the ins and outs of the safety aspects of climbing trees. And then eventually they're going to have you jump into, you know, a tree role where you're climbing trees and things like that. And so it's definitely not something where you take a three, four month class and then you're climbing trees to rescue cats, which is a tough thing because, you know, people want to help and do this sort of thing. But it's very difficult to encourage people that don't have any experience to do this. Cause the last thing we want is to say, you know, to hear somebody that saw what we did and thought that they could do it too. And then the, then like an accident happens. And so we want to make sure that if so folks do want to, they're encouraged by what we do, they got to go about it the right way. Cause this, what we do is extremely dangerous. And if you make a mistake in the tree, the rescuer is not coming home. And so mm-hmm. that's, that's a big deal. And so, you know, we don't want want people out there risking their lives to help out a cat. Obviously, inherently you do, but we want people that if they do do it, to go about it the right way. And so working for a tree service is probably your first step.
0: You talked about how one of the things that sort of surprised you getting involved in this was the fact that there's a huge element of public education needed. Could you expand Mm -hmm. a little bit on that?
2: When we first got into this, we didn't really... We weren't really in the educational role per se. We were just in the service role, where we'd okay, yeah, you have a cat in a tree. Okay, cool. I'm I'm coming out. All right. You know, <laughs> we were super gung ho, and we'd go out and we'd help them out. But then we started to realize that there was a contingent of folks that realized that that or or that thought that it was okay to have an unfixed cat just roaming around the neighborhood, and we were like, wait a minute, that's not right. <laughs> And so obviously that's one area of education, but also the ins and outs of cats and trees. Some folks call us and the cat's been stuck for five minutes. And in those cases, you might want to give it just a little bit of time to see if it can climb down. And then on the flip side of the coin, we rescued cats that have been stuck for 15, 16 days where the folks have gotten some... The folks have gotten some bad advice from somebody that said, oh, just put food at the base of the tree. They'll climb down when it gets hungry. And rescuing cats, we've realized that it has nothing to do with hunger. And a lot of people, even vets, pet professionals will say, oh, that cat will climb down when it gets hungry. It has nothing to do with hunger. And so essentially what it is, it's a predator-driven activity. The cats are generally spooked up the tree by a coyote, dog, another cat, a raccoon, anything. And they're fearful of climbing down because a lot of times that predator is still at the base of the tree. We've gone up to rescue a cat out of a tree and then seen a coyote scamper off from the base of the tree. And it was waiting for that cat to climb down. We've gotten called many times where the folks, the owners actually saw the cat being chased by a coyote or a dog and then it took refuge up in a tree. We get called for another uh, large scenario, which is a fenced backyard with dogs just roaming the yard. The cat's not going to try to climb down if it thinks that it's going to get eaten at the base of the tree. It's not going to do it. There's a lot, there's so many different scenarios and situations that we see that Every situation is different, and you can't paint all cats with the same brush. Some cats have the ability to climb down while others need help. We try to educate people on when to call, what to do, and things like that. Some folks call, and they're calling about a cat that might be their cat, but it's a cat that's deathly afraid of strangers. It only likes one person. It runs and hides from everybody else that it comes in contact with. So in situations like that, all guidelines sort of go out the window because that's a cat that's very likely gonna jump out of the tree and obviously Hmm. a higher risk of sustaining an injury. So when we hear of a cat that's described like that, we might wanna give it a little bit longer or even prepare for the rescue a little different. Ask people, what's at the base of this tree? Is it grass? Is it gravel? Is there rocks? Sometimes we have people hold a sheet. Sometimes we have people go around the neighborhood to get all sorts of little pads and extra seat cushions to cover a clump of rocks that might Mm -hmm. be in the yard to pad that area in case the cat does jump and fall on that particular spot. As you can see, there's a lot to rescuing cats. There's just so much to know. We are sort of on the forefront of rescuing cats nationally. Thankfully, there is a decent amount of folks around the country that do on occasion rescue cats from trees. In other parts of the country, we generally say call your local arborist or tree service, and some folks will do it and some folks won't. In the state of Washington, we get called more than anybody else, but even in the state of Washington, if if for some reason we can't get to a rescue, there's there's a few folks that we'll refer a mount out to that we know have big compassion for rescuing cats as well.
1: Today's episode is sponsored by Space Kitty Express, your one-stop shop for exotic cat drugs. Everyone's heard of catnip, but what about valerian root, tatarian honeysuckle, or silver vine? Space Kitty Express specializes in offering these hard-to-find catnip alternatives, both in their herbal form and stuffed into a variety of reusable toys. Their herbs are 100% pure, not like those quote-unquote catnip blends you might find in a pet store. Their Tartarian honeysuckle wood is cut fresh and kept frozen to lock in its citrusy scent. Their silver vine exudes a mintiness that tingles the nostrils. Their organic valerian root is so musky that they've had to blend it with organic lemongrass so that human noses can tolerate it. Cats can definitely tell the difference between these quality herbs and that stale catnip from the big box store. Visit SpaceKittyExpress.com and watch videos from satisfied feline customers. Use coupon code Cats, all one word, at checkout to receive 10% off your purchase. That's SpaceKittyExpress.com with coupon code COMMUNITYCATS. Doesn't your cat deserve the best? Spoil them today at SpaceKittyExpress.com. Did you miss the 2018 online cat conference that we held in January? Or would you like to share some of the conference webinars with friends? You can now purchase the presentations and share them with colleagues and friends. Just visit our recordings page, which is under the resources tab, to access webinars from some of the leading personalities in feline welfare today. They're sure to give you and your cat-loving friends great ideas on ways to help even more cats. Check it out at www.communitycatspodcast.com.
0: It's interesting. I I honestly didn't really think too much about cats actually jumping out of the trees. I can totally imagine cats not being too thrilled about being scruffed and put in a net and brought down and and all that kind of stuff. But to actually think of, I mean, I've heard of cats jumping out of second floor windows. So it would totally make sense if they're stressed and freaked out enough Mm -hmm. that they would actually try and jump out of a tree. Have have you run into that happening on a a frequent basis? And then my second question would be, do you find differences in, say, the cat that's the indoor cat that's by accident bolted out of the house or something and run up Mm -hmm. a tree versus the cat that's more sort of indoor-outdoor experience?
2: We see it all. Even folks on our Facebook page, I don't know how many times we've gotten the comment, oh, you know, if you keep your cats indoors, this will never happen not true <laughs> i would say probably 35 40% of our calls are indoor only cats that just saw an opening in the door or saw an open window or were like and they were like okay let's, let's scoot outside and then boom they're up in a tree because they, it's their first time ever outside and they get spooked so obviously it it happens even with indoor only cats i would say probably One in every 15, 20 cats will jump. And generally, they're okay. We've had them jump from pretty high up in trees and be okay. There is the super rare occurrence that they're not okay. And unfortunately, we've had situations where the owner didn't get their cat back after a rescue. Um, And obviously, that hits home with us pretty heavily. You know, obviously, when we get called reunite somebody with their cat and we are not able to, that hits home. We love what we do, but certainly the ultimate sacrifice is, it's, a, it's, a, it's an option. I mean, it's not an option, but its it's a risk. We tell people that getting cats out of trees is a big risk. Even a super friendly cat can, at the last moment, decide they want nothing to do with us in the tree and then just jump out of the tree. We personally have a waiver um, that we have the owner sign and read before every rescue that basically just talks about your cat can, you know, obviously we don't think like cats. I mean, we kind of do, but you never know what they're going to do. And even with a friendly cat, it's it's so unpredictable. And so we just try to predict what they're going to do and just try to prepare for that as best we can.
0: You also uh, mentioned that you carry around microchip scanners with you so that if you are pulling a cat down that you may not know specifically who the owner is, that might be a way to be able to reunite the cat with the owner?
2: Mm-hmm. Pretty early on, one of our Facebook friends, which we're now personal friends with, we posted a story about a cat that we rescued, as an unknown cat, and she was like, well, you guys should have your own microchip scanners. And then she started a GoFundMe, and within three hours, we had $1,500 to buy our own microchip scanners. (laughs) So that was was pretty neat to see that. And so now we have two microchip scanners. I have one, and then Tom has one, very much like my two rescues that I'm going on today. They're both unknown cats. So obviously, Mm -hmm. if it's a skittish cat, a feral cat, or just a really skittish barn cat, or a stray that might not have had too much human interaction. They might just jump and then run off and then we can't help them. But obviously, if they're even the slightest bit reasonably friendly, we're going to be able to get them out of the tree, scan them for a microchip when we get to the ground. And then if it has a chip, call the chip company and then we'll get the owner's info.
0: Sean, so people are interested in finding out more about the work that you're doing. How could they find you?
2: If people are interested in finding out more about what we do, a quick internet search will get you to us. Most people just get on the internet and Google cat and tree Washington area or cat and tree rescue. Any combination of that, folks are going to find us. Thankfully, because of our large national exposure, if anybody goes to social media of any kind, folks are usually going to hear or know about us and point people to call us for sure.
0: And is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today?
2: I know that you mentioned scruffing the kitty and then stuffing them in a sack, but we actually try not to scruff the cat because that's another thing that we've realized is some cats, if you just go up to them and scruff them, they're going to fight you and try to bite you. We've realized that most cats just want to be picked up as they normally are. And so obviously Tom and I are big time cat lover. So if best case scenario, when we get up into the into the tree with the cat, we're able just to sort of pick them up, cradle them underneath our arm, and then grasp their front claws, and then gently put them in a little special sack. And then that sack, we climb down with them in the sack. And then we have people bring their cats indoors and let them out in there. We also use a very large net, like a big salmon net, and we're able to put that on the edge of a long pole that if we can't secure them in the sack, then we'll go secure them in the net if it goes way out on the limb or something like that. Other than that, we certainly love what we're doing. We're certainly looking forward to another big year. We do a lot of public education. A lot of times we'll go to pet festivals or various other locations around Puget Sound and talk to people about what we do and educate them on the ins and outs of the cats and trees.
0: But so my final question to you then is, I had watched a, a movie called Smart Movie, which was about the Los Angeles Animal Control Rescue Services. And one of the questions mm-hmm. that they were posing there was using gloves versus not using gloves with the cats in the trees. So
2: yeah, what do you do? Gloves. Your gloves. We, yeah, we'll, but here's the deal. Most cats, they're really sensitive to smells. If you are wearing a glove that you used on a very stressful cat rescue where inherently another hazard that we run into is urine in the tree, sometimes we actually get peed on. But if one cat smells a stressful cat urine on your glove and you go to let them smell you, which is what we do when we approach the cat, we we reach out a hand and let them smell us. If they smell another cat, they're going to be like, uh... I don't know if I can trust this guy. And so for that initial, let me smell you, kitty, we take our glove off. The main reason we use gloves is for the ropes and the slickness of the trees and whatnot. But we also carry bite-proof gloves with us. They're not really bite-proof. They're more bite-resistant because bite-proof gloves, you can't do that scruffing maneuver that we just talked about, which is what we'll have to do. If we feel that we need the bite-proof glove, we're going for the scruff. But there's this fine line of a glove that is bite proof because a bite proof glove you can't really you don't have as much dexterity to actually scruff the kitty, and so basically right. this bite resistant glove that we have is sort of a fine line between being able to scruff a cat with that dexterity and protecting yourself. Even friendly cats you never know if there's bacteria in their in their mouth, especially unknown cats. You don't know if they might be sick or how much bacteria they have in their mouth, and so you want to protect yourself quite a bit. And both both Tom and I have been bit a few times and scratched, but it's it's yeah. pretty rare that we're bit or scratched in the tree. Usually, yeah. I mean, I think good.
0: anybody in this business, anybody who has worked with trying to socialize feral cats, feral kittens, it it's this balance because you want the cat to feel the human contact, but yet we also want to protect ourselves from anything that the cat might do. And the question of gloves, is it's a huge question even in humane societies when we're trying to socialize cats, what to use, what to work with, and and that kind of thing. And it's an interesting question to ask, and I think everybody, it's important to stay safe and to put yourself in a position where you're going to stay as safe as possible, John, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on my show, and I hope we'll have you on in the future. And I, my dream is that there would be this huge network of all of the you know organizations all across the country with a big interactive map, and you could just click on a state, and then you'd be able to find out who to contact in that state to help with rescuing the kitties.
2: Yeah, well, certainly that's one thing that we're working on in the future. We're considering doing some sort of certification for tree climbers nationally. Because another big fallacy with cats and trees is the fire department. Some (laughs) fire departments out there will help cats and trees, while the majority of them don't have the resources or expertise to go out and help with cats and trees. Particularly in our area, our trees are humongous. Some of our trees are well over 100 feet. And obviously, in those situations, even the tallest fire department ladder isn't going to be able to reach it some people say just call the fire department. Well, I mean, the thing is, like I just said, some fire departments, if it's a small, small town operation, they might be able to help folks out if it's a small tree. But for the most part, you got to call your local arborist or tree service.
0: Great tip. Excellent. Well, Sean, thank you again for agreeing to be a guest on the show. And I do hope we'll have you on in the future.
2: All right. Thank you
1: so much.